is a long way to walk it. Or uh, if she rode on a donkey like some pictures depict her, uh, which was usually uh, reserved for people who had money for donkeys, but they traveled that long distance. She had time to think about, to plan her family, to plan her marriage with her new husband, Joseph, uh, that they hadn't even come together yet. They hadn't even uh, consummated their marriage yet. But she had plans to think about her life. She was young, a young lady, a young girl, promised to be, to be married to this person. She had a respectable husband who had a job. Hello. He was a carpenter, right? She had a concerned family, concerned friends, just like today. People would celebrate your, your uh, betrothal or your, your engagement. They'll celebrate. They were happy for her, uh, you know, praying for her, I'm sure. You know, and this contract to be betrothed is like a a marriage contract. Now, I am contracted to marry this person. It's binding. It's not like an engagement today. Some people are engaged like 50 times before they get married, right? Not like, not, not in this society. This was a highly religious society. To break the, the betrothal pledge would be scandalous. You have to divorce. That's how strong it was. It's like being married. You would have to divorce your, your, uh, the person you are betrothed to if you're going to break it. And it would bring irreparable damage to their reputation, especially if they found out that somebody was pregnant. And so this is a huge deal for, for Mary. But before she even got started in her new life as a wife and a mother, before she even got this ball rolling, an angel showed up with this risky proposal for her. Prior to the consummation of her marriage, prior to having children with your husband, God has chosen you to bear his son. Prior to any plans that you are, are making, I'm sure you're probably thinking about things, you have plenty of time to think about it. Prior to anything you do, God has something for you to do. God wants to interrupt your life for a moment. In fact, this will be the biggest thing in your life. This will, this will, I mean, you will be defined by this proposal God has for you. Out of all the plans that you could make, God has something he wants you to do. This is big. This is huge for her. This is an amazing thing. It's not like she grew up knowing that this would happen. It's not like she was like a, a princess, you know, uh, you know, bound to be royal and, and uh, for her whole life, for people to serve her to, or to call her blessed. You know, this was different. It was a surprise to her. She had no clue that this angel would show up this day. So think of the risk it would bring to her reputation to show up pregnant at the census, to show up pregnant. Oh, this is your, your husband's? No, no. It's a, it's a long story. You know, how do you explain that, right? Think of the potential shame, the comments people might make whenever they saw her. I knew they shouldn't have traveled together. All the way, that's 80 miles. All the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I knew she, she should, why didn't she go with the sisters, right? Some may have accused Joseph of being, you know, Joseph, brother, what's up, man? Some may have accused Sancho. There's probably some poor guy named Sancho living in Bethlehem somewhere. And people were accusing Sancho. I'm like, what? I didn't do nothing, you know? 
had nothing to do with it. This was a risk. It was a risk. And the only people that knew the truth about what was going on was God and the angels. And they came to let her know. So think about this. If this is a revelation of who God is, think about what this might mean for us sometimes when he calls us to something without prior knowledge, when he calls us to a new direction, a new path in our lives, something huge, something life-defining, some totally, something totally different than what we've planned in our lives. Think about what it might mean to you for God to show up and say, hey, this is the direction I want you to go. I'm sure there are many people who have who have cut God off and say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not what I planned. That's not, that's not what I planned. That's not how we do it. That's not how things happen in, in our lives, especially with the direction that our lives are taking as we prepare for life, as we prepare for marriage, as we prepare for a career, whatever it may be. There are, there's protocols. God, don't you know the way we do things? God had a different plan. What's even more amazing was that Joseph was the last to know. When he eventually found out, it tells us in Matthew's gospel, in first chapter, verse 19, is that it says that he was ready to divorce her quietly, to try and avoid the scandal, to avoid public disgrace. He was the last to know when he found out, you're pregnant? Can you imagine? He doesn't know until... Either at some point she, she realized, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. Maybe at the conversation with the, with the angel, where in that conversation, when she says these words that I read to you this morning, I am your servant. May it be to me as you have said. May your words come to pass in my life. I'm your servant. At that moment, She's yielding herself. At that moment, she says, you know what? I don't belong to me anymore. I understand that I don't belong to me. I belong to you. And God, at that moment, conceived in her womb the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And it wasn't until later that she began to show that she was pregnant. It wasn't until later she began to realize, you know what? Hey, I think something's, something's, something's up with me. And he was the last... Joseph was the last to know about this. And when he eventually found out, he wants to divorce her to avoid the shame, the disgrace, because the Lord hadn't even told him. And I wonder if God showed up in your life this morning with a new plan, with new direction for you, a, a whole new way of, of life, a whole new purpose and plan, would you go for it? Would you go for it? Would you, would you say, God, let me, I got to pray. I got to pray about this. Can you imagine God coming and you say, hey, I got something for you. I, hold on, God. I got to pray about this. And you go a little over here and then you pray to God, the one who came with the plan in the first place. I got to pray about this. Uh, hold on. Let me think about this. Would you let God decide the direction for your life? Would you let him do it? There were many people in scripture, you know, when you think about, a man by the name of Barak, who God had plans to, uh, to do something, and, and he fought against the plan of God. Or Jonah, who ran from God when God had a plan for his life, and he ran from God, tried to get away from God. Or, or a disciple by the name of Gehazi, 
You know, he was uh, one of the disciples of, of, of Elijah, and he, uh, you know, rather than just, just stay faithful and, and, and follow through with what you were given to do, he had other plans, and he just kind of messed things up for himself. Why, why couldn't those people be more like Abraham when, when God called him and told him, hey, I want you to go to this new land. I want you to go to this new place. And rather than questioning God, he didn't even ask God where. God didn't even tell him where. Just go, leave this place and go to the land. I will show you. And he was willing to go. That's faith. That's trusting God. That's saying, God, you have a plan. I don't have to pray about it. You have the plan. You're the one I would pray to anyway. And this is your plan. And I want to go where God is leading me. That's, that's huge. That's tough to do. That's tough to do, that, but that's huge. That is a life-defining moment. And since we're still in December, and our theme for this month is, is giving, we've been talking about giving in this month of December, the Lord put on my heart to talk about this story. And perhaps he wants me to read this to prepare you for whatever God wants to do in your life. New direction, new purpose, new plans, who do you belong to? Who, who do you belong to? Perhaps, you know, the greatest plan that God had for humans, when you think about it, and I don't know if you can think of a greater plan that God had for any human being other than to give birth to his son. Now, it was Jesus who went to the cross, the ultimate. But Jesus is more than human. He is 100% human, but he's more than that. He is, he is God himself. For, for a, a human person, a human being, this is the greatest plan, the greatest call that God could give to a person. And to, and to think that this plan was not communicated to Mary until it was time for her to have his son. He didn't wait. He, I mean, he didn't uh, reveal this plan to her early in life and say, you know what, at some point, uh, you know, you're, you're going to become great and, and God is going to, to, you know, through you, he's going to have his son and, and you know, and, and just roll the whole plan out to her at some, to prepare. God didn't prepare her until it was time, until the very moment of her conception. You think about it, you talk about a lack of communication. God, what's up with it? You're going to tell me, you're going to wait till the last minute? She could have complained to God, Right? She could have accused God of failing to communicate. He had a plan, and he knew about his plan. In fact, he announced his plan 700 years before Mary was even born, that a virgin would, would have a, a baby. But he didn't let Mary in on the plan, that you are the person I have in mind. You are the one I have chosen to reveal this great thing. But in order for Jesus to be born, even though God has all these plans in place, even though God had, had, you know, foresaw this for all of these centuries, in order for Jesus to be born, Mary had to agree. Mary had to come to the moment where she says, may it be to me as you have said. I'm your servant. I belong to you. In order for him to be born, she had to agree. She had to give God consent to choose her, to use her life, to use her body. She had to say yes to God and submit to God and surrender to God. God never forces anybody to do anything against their will. Never. 
He will call you. He will, he will call you. He, would, he will ask you. He will, he will summons you in, in some way. He will urge you. He will, you'll have dreams about things, thoughts about things, feelings about things, urging you to do, to step out, to believe. He'll do all of that, but he won't force you. And when he spoke to her, she was ready. And it wasn't until crunch time he sends the angel Gabriel to run it all down to her. Can I use your life? Can I make you the greatest of women to be the mother of Jesus, the son of the living God? And, and, and keep in mind that she was a young girl. She had her whole life ahead of her. Nobody knows exactly how old she was, but you know she had her, her wedding planned out. She, this would mean spoiling all of her plans. Hello all of your plans. This would mean possibly blemishing her reputation. What would people think of me? What would they say about her when they see her pregnant, pregnant and she's not even married yet? They, they see her coming into town, into Bethlehem, right? By the time she gets there, she's ready to have the baby. I mean, it's like, I mean, she's nine months. She's ready. She's at the point of having the baby and they can't find a place. But she, she's ready. I mean, this was, this was God's way of, of, of doing the greatest thing that he could do among people. Sometimes it comes without announcements. Sometimes it comes without indication, without any suspicion on your part that God has something great for me. God wants to do something great in my life. I should know about it. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe God is waiting for the right moment to reveal to you exactly what he has. When it seems like, you know, what, what am I living for? What, what's my purpose in life? Listen, you matter. You matter. And God will wait till the right time to reveal to you exactly what he has in mind. God had a proposal for her. And when God has a plan, you don't have to trip on the details. You don't have to, you know, question God on the details. Man, if we could only trust God the way Mary trusts God. I am your servant. I am your servant. Dulos is the Greek word, the lowest of slaves. I, I, I don't have an opinion here. When you decide to use my life, I don't have an opinion. You, you won't, you're not a, 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 a mean taskmaster. You won't abuse, you won't destroy. I belong to you and you love me more than I love myself. I am your servant. Do with me as your word has said. Do with me whatever you have decided. I am the Lord's servant. I belong to the Lord. You don't have to even ask me. You don't even have to explain it to me. You don't have to even request my permission. As a matter, as a matter of fact, man, you can surprise me with it. You can catch me off guard. You can catch me on a bad day and reveal your plan. You can catch me when I am upset and in a bad mood, but I am your servant and what you decide, I'm willing to go with it. Amen. That's heavy, man. That's heavy. I wonder if we can say the same thing. I have no complaints, God, no objections, God, no reservations to what you desire to do. Man, that's surrender. This is what it means to be yielded to the Lord. This is what it means to, to say, you know, God, I, you know, I'm, I'm your servant. To say to God, you know what you're doing. 
have your way in my life. I won't fight you. I, I won't resist you. I, I won't rebel against you. I won't make excuses. I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Besides giving your hearts to, to Christ, and, and, and I hope that we've all given our hearts to Christ by this moment, and if not, you'll have the opportunity to do that. But besides giving your heart to Christ in salvation, this has got to be the greatest thing you could ever give. And that's yourself. To surrender your whole life to Him. To say, God, I, I, I'm going to give you my heart in salvation and, and my loyalty in salvation. I, I'm going to belong to you and serve you. But, but sometimes people, that's as far as they go. They, they won't say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to serve you to the extent that you want me to serve you. I, I'm not maybe willing to go where you want me to go. I'll, I'll, I'll be a Christian, I'll call myself a Christian, and, and I'll do Christian things. And, and, and I'll, uh, I'll maintain a, a Christian identity, but, but if God calls us to something different than our plans, something different than what we've you know, thought of and planned out, I wonder if we'll be willing. You know, researchers say that we're living in the most selfish society in the history of humanity. I wonder if that's true. <laughs> look around, look at, look at your neighbor, you know, see if there's any evidence, you know. The most selfish society in the history of humanity, and they call it an epidemic of narcissism. An epidemic of narcissism, all right? An impulse, that selfishness is our first impulse. We think of, of me, of self. We're not selfless, but selfish, right? And it becomes an impulse. It doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't even always have to look like evil or insidious. It doesn't have to look even wrong. Sometimes it can look like a virtue. You know, I got it. Well, you know what? Um, you know, I've been busy, busy at work, or I've been busy. I got, I got to take care of this or that. I got to take care of me, family, or whatever it may be. However, we, it, it could look like a virtue, but there's a philosophy built into this, this thing, this, this thing that they, that they're identifying, a, a philosophy in our society, and we see it in TV and movies and in songs. It's about me. It's about me and, and what I can get, and, and, and me first, right? And, and that's a philosophy that uh, is plaguing America. During the 1980s, they say that obesity grew like way out of control in America. And researchers were following this growth in obesity. In fact, they were creating programs in schools to combat obesity. But at the very same time, another study showed that narcissism and selfishness rose just as fast. But there are no government programs to try and curb it in our children. There's nothing on the move, nothing in, in the works to try and stop this selfish ideology that, that is plaguing people in America. It's just as bad, worse even, because it can keep us from Christ. So I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts this morning that I just kind of, kind of you know, glance through as, I, as I'm looking at the scriptures. Number one, Mary welcomed God into her life. She welcomed God into her life. Is God welcome in your life? Is he welcome? Because for him to be welcome, that, that means a lot of things. That, that could mean a whole lot if he's welcome. 
You know, some have been fighting the purposes of God in, in our lives. We, 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 we don't have the time to share with Him our, our thoughts and, and our concerns and, and our prayers for our family members. When He is welcome, He may come in and, and just, you know, suggest some changes in our lives. Is He welcome in your life? She welcomed God into her life. The second thing that I see here in this story that I think stands out to me is not only does she welcome God, but she submitted to God in her life. She submitted to him. To him. Now, I know you've seen, if you haven't, uh, there, there's a bumper sticker that says that God is my co-pilot. What's wrong with that, you know? God is my co-pilot. You know, so you sit there and be, be quiet and let me fly this thing, you know? A co-pilot is just there just in case you need them. A co-pilot is there in case you need to get up and go to the restroom, take over for a little while, but I'll be back, you know. Don't get any crazy ideas to fly us somewhere where I don't want to go. God is my co-pilot. You've seen that, right? You know, I, I had to pull it off Debbie's bumper the, the other week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she, she didn't have that sticker on the car. Um, it's one thing to welcome God. It's an entirely different thing to yield to him, to surrender and submit to him. In Luke 148, she, she calls, or, or 38 right here, she calls herself the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. Dule, the, the, that word, it just indicates, uh, uh, you know, someone without, I, I don't have my own purpose. I don't have my own direction. I belong to you. That's what she's saying. I belong to you. She yielded herself to God. Thirdly, and, and lastly, I see this as something just interesting to me, is that Mary represents a new generation of believers. And, and this year, I, I believe, is, is a year for the, our youth, man, to, for, for this kind of faith. Because this Bible story, it shows extremely older people and, and, and young people. Mary's one of the young people. The older people, some of them kind of resisted uh, God and, and the, the acceptance of God or, or even questioned or looked further into it. And they accepted God with reluctance. Mary simply says, hey, I am your servant. Man, there's no question about it. Do with me what you desire. And, and she's a young person. It, there's a contrast between the simple faith of a teenage girl. She's, she's a young girl compared to others like the priest of Zechariah who, who, who didn't believe, who, who went into the temple not believing and God struck him with mute. He became mute and he couldn't speak. You know, the father of John the Baptist. He couldn't believe. He had such a hard time believing. He had a hard time understanding and believing what God had to do. She had no problem. A, a contrast between the old and the young. She represents a generation of young believers, a generation whose sensitivity to God makes them willing to do the impossible for God's honor and for God's glory. I'm willing. I'm your servant. You think about those words coming from the mouth of a teenager today. I am your servant. Do with me whatever. I believe that that faith is present. I believe that it's possible. This comparison seems identical to the comparison you see in, in Hannah and Eli, the, the son that she had, 
and Eli's sons, right? Two totally different kinds of people. Or, or between Hannah herself and, and Eli, the older guy and the young, one with faith, a, a young person, a young girl with faith, willing to believe God for the impossible, for the incredible, and to commit her life to that, and to commit her children to that. In both cases, whether it's Hannah or uh, this story of, of Mary, they were humble. They were unknown, uh, unknown servants, but willing to fulfill God's supernatural plan for a whole new generation. And I believe that that is possible even today, right here in Inglewood, among our young people. Amen? So God's greatest work, some of God's greatest work often comes without clear direction. It, it often comes sometimes without clear direction. Read the story. Read it over as many times as in all the versions as you like. Mary had no idea until the time came for her to have this baby. She had no idea. And it's possible that some of God's greatest plans for the, what the world needs today may come through one of you, several of you, the greatest, some of the greatest work that God has for humanity today, it may come through one of you. Un, you know, without announcement, you, don't, you have no idea that it's coming, without any early warning. It's never risk-free. It wasn't risk-free for her, but it may come to you. In a dream, in a word spoken, this feeling, an urge, however it may come. And it's amazing that she questioned the message she thought, what kind of greeting might this be? She questioned that. She, she questioned even the, the, the process. How can this be? How can this be when I'm still a virgin? She questioned these things. But the one thing she refused to question was her willingness to submit to God. I am your servant. May it be to me as you have said. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? I'd like to pray for us. Hallelujah. Father God, in this selfish world that we live in, in a world, Father God, that calls our attention to self, to what we can have for ourselves, what we can do for ourselves, in a world that calls us to isolation and separation, and independence, I pray, Father God, that you, Lord, would, would move upon our hearts to be people that are yielded to you, servants of the Most High God, willing to walk with you, willing to live for you, willing to surrender ourselves, willing to raise up children of faith, willing, my God, to inspire others to believe, inspire others towards hope, in the living God, I pray, Father God, that you would come against, my God, this, this epidemic of narcissism, an epidemic of selfishness, of self-centeredness, and that we would give of ourselves to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to be willing to serve you, Lord, with our whole lives, to use our talents, our minds, our gifts, Father God, our personality, my God, all that we have, strength, all that we have to lay it at your disposal. You'll never hurt us. You'll never misuse us. My God, you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. 
And I pray that we'd be willing to follow you this morning. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And this morning, I wonder if God is speaking to you that perhaps, perhaps the greatest thing, the greatest thing that could happen to you, perhaps this morning, that thing, whatever that thing might be, is totally unseen. You don't know anything about it. It, it, it could be the greatest thing, the most life-changing thing, the, the most radical thing that could happen in your life. And it, and it may come to you this morning without a clue, without a clue, that from one day to the next, God has some great thing that he wants to do in your life, and you won't know about it until it's time. Will you be willing to walk with God? What does it take to hear the Spirit speak to you? What does it take to hear the voice of the angel? What does it take to know that God is prompting you? All it takes is willingness this morning. So if God has spoken to you, I want you to come. Maybe you don't even know God. Maybe you haven't even said that prayer. Why don't you come? Come to the altar. Meet with him right here at the altar. Pray to God. Ask God to help you. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God for his direction, a willingness to trust God because he'll never let you down. Today is the day of a new beginning in your life. And let God be the one who guides you this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you hurting and broken within?